What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, hey, my Eagle enthusiasts, this is Fairway Rollin' presented by FanDuel. Elevated events, majors, and more are coming up, and FanDuel is here to help you line up a win during the PGA Tour season. Check out live PGA Tour bets like Longest Drive, Round Leaders, Matchups, Birdie or Better, and more, plus track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official betting operator of the PGA Tour. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Quick disclaimer, you must be 21 years old and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Unlike any other. Oh, yes, my friends, we've done it. This is Fairway Roll, a golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House, joined as I am every week by our incomparable accomplice, our PGA Tour boots on the ground, our new co boots on the ground. Maybe we'll have a name someday. Nathan Hubbard is along. And then the fairway rolling ombudsman. We need somebody looking over our shoulder to make sure that our own misdeeds are properly identified and called out. You know him and love him from the Action Network and from the Sirius XM PGA Tour channel. Our homeboy, Jason Sobel, is rejoining us to help talk through this moment in professional golf. My birdie buddies, it's a three ball. The T's are in the ground. We're swinging at the same time because that's how we do here on Fairway Rolling. Sobes, Nate, what's up, fellas? What's up, boys? I, I, I would like to start this off by, first of all, thanking you guys for having me back on. Uh, I will point out to the listeners that we all hung out at, in L.A. during the U.S. Open. We went to a really nice dinner together. I enjoyed your company. 
I gave you both shit for not having me on the podcast for a while. And so I'm sure that you guys got together and said, yeah, it's Rocket Mortgage Week, kind of a slow week. We can have Sobel on. It's not going to hurt anything too much. And so I appreciate you having me on. Sobel, you are invited onto this podcast 24-7 because what we really do on this podcast is read your stuff and and parrot it. So you're the Ryan Seacrest of golf. It's hard to get your time. Oh, it stop. is hard to, to get your time. And and I mean it. We need the ombudsman to come in and tell us where all our missteps are occurring. I want to start big picture wise because this is um, kind of how we started off the year with you, JS. You came on and we kind of like set the tone. What do we anticipate coming out of the tour season? Well, we just had our last elevated event before the playoffs mm-hmm. and uh, Keegan, Keegan Bradley takes it down. It was not is his his home course or his hometown you know the twitterati were very careful to point out he hails yep. from new england but he's not from connecticut so let's make sure that we draw that nonsensical distinction great job by by keegan um 62 63 64 68 that's pretty good um let's talk about the big picture moment though also occurring this week we had the leak of the framework agreement between the PGA Tour and the PIF. And we also just last night had a marathon meeting, five hours plus it's been reported, of the players uh, and the board convening. This, the, the, I'm talking about the players that are on the board. Um, mm-hmm. to, to walk through and you know start putting some meat on the bones in terms of an approach to a potential deal with the, the PIF. So let me start with kind of the low-hanging fruit, Jason Sobel. Um, because this is a schedule and a presentation of professional golf that seems very unlikely to be repeated ever again in, 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 in the future in terms of the condensed nature of these events and, and you know, getting the very best players together you know, nearly 20 times between January and, and the beginning of July. How would you sort of measure the success of what we've experienced so far? Yeah, I guess if Nate's going to make a Ryan Seacrest reference here, then I'll basically make a Wheel of Fortune reference. And uh, there's a lot of fortune going around, maybe too much fortune in this new schedule. And I think that's probably prompted why we've seen everything that we've seen over the last three or four weeks with the framework agreement with the public investment fund and this is why everything's moving forward uh, because the pga tour essentially this is not the sponsors paying for all of these elevated purses in the designated events this is coming straight out of the pga tour reserves now i I do think that it's been a little overblown like uh, people are making it sound like the pga tour is about to go out of business if they don't get an infusion of money from Saudi Arabia, which I don't think that's necessarily the case, but you do start adding up all the dollar signs and adding up all the zeros. And you're like, uh, yeah, they, they've put a lot of money out there without really getting much in return. The the PIP itself was, uh, as I was speaking with our friend Bob Harrig this morning, he pointed out it was $40 million last year. This year it's $100 million. That's $140 million that essentially they weren't spending before, and now they're spending out of their own cash reserves. And so that's a lot of money. I, I think that helps at least tell the story of why all this stuff is taking place right now. The other part of this is uh, the pending litigation. They get out of the litigation. There's no discovery phase, which I have a feeling 
from what I've heard, the PGA Tour had some things they didn't want public. And I don't know, guys, seems like Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, maybe there's something back there that uh, they might have a skeleton or two in the closet that they didn't want public either. So they made that agreement. The one thing that stands out to me over the last 24 hours, though, and you mentioned House, that uh, policy board meeting on Tuesday that lasted five hours. Let me read something from the statement here. Uh, Entering the framework agreement, uh, put an end to the costly litigation with an input from our player directors, has now begun a new phase of negotiations to determine if the tour can reach a definitive agreement. Now, we all knew that the policy board would have to approve this. I can't believe that Jay Monahan and Jimmy Dunn and Ed Hurley essentially did all this stuff without the rest of the policy board knowing about it. They now need approval from the policy board. Reading that statement, a two-paragraph statement after that meeting yesterday, there are a whole lot more ifs that are included now than there were before, and it seems a lot less definitive than it did just three or four weeks ago. Well, I think the document that we got to see this week because it got sent to Congress, speaks to exactly that, Sobs, doesn't it? There are almost no obligations or firm commitments in that four-ish page document other than uh, Section 6, which puts the lawsuits to bed permanently. So uh, there is still so much to work out, including what percentage of this new company will the Saudis actually own, which means they have not done the work to agree on the actual value of mm-hmm. each independent entity. Uh, there certainly is clarity around governance, and it looks like if this goes through, the PGA Tour controls live full stop. They have not in any way committed to the ongoing existence of live. There's a whole lot of fluffy language in that document, isn't there, that says, well, we, in good faith, we'll take a look at the benefits, but it sort of clears a path to shutting it down. I just, I, it, the, the thing that strikes me the most about this agreement, and, and we know that Monaghan is sidelined with health issues, and it's, it's I think, becoming increasingly unclear whether he's going to return to this position. Right. But it, it does feel like the PIF already got what they wanted out of this, because that CNBC performance for me where they said, it wasn't for me, it was for all of us, but to me, it, 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 it just, I'm never going to understand it as long as I live. Because for the Saudis, what did they want? They wanted the lawsuits to go away, as you just said. And they had an image problem. And in that interview, the commissioner diffused any image problem that may have existed by saying, I trusted this guy in 10 minutes. And so if, and as you say, there are a lot of ifs in this document, if they can't get this through because they don't agree on the concrete terms with the PIF or because the player PGA Tour Policy Board has some conflicts. Patrick Cantlay is on this board and there was a lot of chatter this week about his strong feelings. If they can't get this through, the Saudis get to put the lawsuits to bed and that hurdle that had kept other players from going, the morality question, seems to have been evaporated in that CNBC performance. House, am I missing something? No, you're not missing anything. Um, the Saudis got exactly what they wanted. And I feel like we will forever ponder the, the the two biggest questions, and they're interrelated in terms of a world-class, perhaps never to be seen again, bungling of, of a messaging. Like yeah. the combination of rushing onto CNBC 
We still don't know why they felt like there was a rush. I feel like we may never know why there was a rush. The document required a, a press release within a week of the agreement. Why? Well, how about this? A press release is easy. It says, we're settling the lawsuit. We're here to announce that's it. we're that's, settling that's the it, lawsuit. No. That's all. And then that's all we, we need say, to say. Right. And and if they you could add another line, we intend to work amicably going forward to find areas of mutual interest to see if there are opportunities that behoove both of us. It's the easiest thing in the world. Any any dummy like me could come up with that off the top of their head. But why the 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 stroke job of of uh uh, uh, of his excellency on American television will never, ever, ever make sense to me, Sobes. The fact that this was, I don't want to say bungled, it was just such a rush job. It was such a rush job that they sent out a press release that said there's a merger, and then the next day, Monaghan was asked about the merger. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know why everyone's calling it a merger. Well, because it said merger in the subject line of your press release. I, I mean, we're not coming up with this out of thin air. Like, you're the one that sent it out, and now you're denying what it is. I mean, this is – it really felt like – and I don't know. I, there's got to be a good reason. There's a good legal reason. There's a good monetary reason. There's a good reason why they felt like on – I believe it was May 30th, they needed to push everything through immediately and couldn't waste another minute. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if it was. Uh, oh, about to you, you said it. Things. You said it. it monetary. Monetary. Well, the money. 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 The quicker we can get well, to the money. Right, 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 Nate Dog. But why the, why the need to speak publicly in the way that they did? That didn't change the money piece. I think for me, this is a common thread through the PGA Tour over the last three years, which is that the public-facing communication is not good. It's just not been a strength of the leadership. And it's why they've had to turn to the players and outsource it to people like Rory McIlroy and put the burden on them, which I think the players were happy to do, assuming competence of management and leadership. But, but I think, look, when you look at this document, the money is the thing, right? There is no money for the PGA Tour if this deal falls apart. There's not a breakup fee. Why not? Well, there like, there still could be. I mean, this is the MOU kind of thing. There could be in in a in a proper M and A doc, right? Yep. Yeah, except that the 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 there is no breakup fee here. Right. But the lawsuit putting the lawsuits to bed is binding. So again, the Saudis could walk from this and get absolutely everything they wanted without the PGA Tour getting a dime. And now you've got the PIF and Liv able to compete freely saying, see, we're not bad guys. They said so. By the way, we have all the money. Ah, it, it, and the lawsuits are gone. So now you've got a PGA Tour that to Sobel's original point here, they got to figure out a way to come up with a hundred plus million dollars a year, not just one time, a year in money from sponsors who are already grumbly, as we know, I don't think the Fortinet Championship folks felt great this year about, you know, the lack of understanding. Sanderson Farms, does that still continue? Like, there's a lot of question marks around where this money's coming from. And, and again, it, the Saudis seem to have a lot of leverage in this deal at this point. I mean, the only people who have more leverage are the 20 guys 
who didn't get paid, who are still independent contractors playing for the PGA Tour. Those guys, I think, can rest fairly comfortably knowing that if this deal gets done, they're going to get paid. Otherwise, they can walk and start this circus all over again. Or you've got Liv sitting there ready to write checks in the event that it's a competition again. So I, I want to ask, I just want yeah, to add to what Nate was saying there. Nate, you've signed a lot of documents in your life. To show you how early this is in everything, to show you how little has been agreed upon and figured out, uh, as Robert Dameron, who former tour player, I was doing a show with him yesterday on PGA Tour Radio, as he put, you can't sign for a car. You can't buy a car and sign less than five pages of documents. This is a five-page document. Like, if my dog takes a shit on your lawn and you decide to sue me for $20, it's going to be a 30-page legal document. They had five pages to essentially infuse billions of dollars for the public investment fund into the PGA Tour and create a new entity. I mean, this thing's going to wind up being 5,000 pages by the time it's over, and we only have five pages to start. There's a whole lot more left. Yeah, and yeah, that's that, why that, that's when right. you look at what what's binding, the only thing that's binding in that agreement is the lawsuits being put to bed, which is the clear, clear uh, bellwether sign that that's what drove this in the moment. There was some yeah. pressure on both sides to put this down. Which is fine. And and you know what? If those guys had come out, if His Excellency and Jay had come out with the press release as they'd agreed, saying that we resolved the lawsuit, they wouldn't have to be you know, doing this this uh, dog and pony show for the players and, and dealing with the, the players' ire. I want you, we, we, we are all um, gambling fellows, uh, so I'm going to put a, uh, a prop on the table. But first, I, I just want to observe out loud the how, how, how weird the golf universe works. You know, the $100 million that the tour is missing on kind of an annual basis going forward was there. They had that deal on the global streaming rights with Discovery all the way up until, you know, it was golf TV, right, Sobes? It yeah. was supposed to be like a $1.2 billion deal over, over 12 years, 10 to 12 years. And they got the first couple infusions of that. And then Warner Brothers got uh, eaten up by Discovery. And then they canceled that whole thing. So bye-bye, $100 plus million a year. And bye-bye, global streaming rights. And they haven't come up with a successful replacement for that, but um, which is why I think one of the many contributing factors to the moment we're in right now. But here, here's my proposition for each of you, um, in in a in a percentage way, ex express the likelihood, and I'll put this to Nate first, that Jay Monahan returns as commissioner of this tour. Wow, um, I would have told you last week. 75%. Having been on the ground in Hartford, um, I I'm going to tell you it's 50-50 at best. Wow. Okay. Sobs? Yeah, I tend to agree with Nate. I think it might even be less than that. Uh, the yeah. longer he's away, the more I think he's not coming back. The fact that he wasn't at the policy board meeting yesterday, that he didn't call into the policy board meeting, I get it. Like, He's taking some time away. Good. Like, worry about your your personal health before anything else. And I can't even imagine how harrowing the last 18 months has been for him, how frenetic the pace of everything has been. All of that said, if he's not even calling into that meeting, to me, that's a really bad sign moving forward. And the yeah. other part of this is, why would he want to be PGA Tour commissioner? He's the CEO of NUCO. 
why would he want to go back and be PGA Tour commissioner and represent a membership that hates him right now and doesn't want him doing the job? Yeah, so I, I think on that last note, the, the damage is irreparable in terms of his standing among 100%. the membership. And yes. I would put it at less than 20% that he returns. Um, I, I don't and, think the question, but House, the, your question was, does he come back at all? Is he? That's a different question from, is he in charge a year from now? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess there's still a part of me that would be surprised if he doesn't come back in some capacity. But I, I think at this point, it's it's 50-50 best that he comes back in, in some capacity. Is he running this thing in a year? No. Which is hilarious because he's named throughout this document as the CEO. But he's still running right. it. I, I mean, as the CEO of the new entity, that's more power to me. That's more powerful than being the commissioner. Like, that's essentially, you've got the commissioner of the PGA Tour under your umbrella. And so why would you want, you're essentially, if you're going from CEO to commissioner, you're taking a demotion. So he's getting kicked upstairs to not be commissioner eventually and be CEO. I would also, by the way, from everything I've heard, guys, uh, for the listeners out there who want to know who maybe is on tap to be the next commissioner, Google PGA Tour Policy Board and take a look at the members on there, and you might find who could be a candidate for the next commissioner. Yeah. Um. But for the purposes of the single thing in front of the tour, which is to get a deal done between now and end of the year, uh, Monahan's really irrelevant, right? This is this is up to deal people. This is up to the M and A folks, and this is up to the government affairs folks. Hopefully, the tour has been out there looking for an appropriate um, lobbying firm because thus far they've done a shitty job of finding the right lobbying firm or group of lobbyists. But that that's that's the the team that needs to be brought to the fore between now and the end of the year to get the deal done and to chart the course for 2024. Am I right about that, Sobes, or am I wrong? Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. Here's a question for you guys that I really just kind of thought of as you were saying that. How much do you think Yasser Al-Ramayan, His Excellency, H.E., uh, thought at the beginning of this whole thing, we need Monaghan on our side. And then when all this news broke three or four weeks ago, he saw all the reports that the players are like incensed at Jay Monahan right now. All of a sudden, he's like, wait, I don't need Jay Monahan. He thought coming into this whole thing, I need Monahan to move forward with all this. Now he's like, no, nah, I got the tour. Like, I, I, I don't even want him. I don't want to be associated with him. I, I mean, there's a very good chance that he has gotten what he needed out of Jay Monahan, and now he's moving on. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, wouldn't again. This agreement was very craftily negotiated by the Saudis, in that they got everything they wanted up front without having to commit to anything. Anything. They gave nothing, other than the promise of you know cash at some point, which, as far as the tour concerned, apparently is enough, right? No, the mm-hmm. deal they didn't they didn't even make that promise. They said we'll figure it out. They got yeah. the two things they wanted. There is no discovery of the emails of Saudi government officials and high-ranking people in PIF. And they got blessed on national television by the guy who'd rallied the 9-11 families against them. That's all they wanted out of this ever. In either situation, they're gonna end up, uh, you know, he's gonna end up as chairman of the most powerful unified entity in golf. I, I have no doubt that if this deal doesn't close, the, the value proposition for the tour is going to dissipate quickly. 
And, and the players are going to chase the money because they know it's there. Well, let me ask this, and then then we'll get on to some actual, like, genuine golf news. Um, it was announced last week that the Washington Wizards are taking on a 5% investment by the Qatari Sovereign Wealth Fund. What is there to prevent another sovereign wealth fund from a, a an oil-rich nation in that part of the world if the PGA Tour and the PIF are not able to come to terms? What's, what is there keeping the Qataris out? The Qataris could step in with that infusion of cash. Nate, I think in your, and obviously I'm doing this a tiny bit tongue-in-cheek, but Nate, you made a very nice observation in your Emergency 9 Twitter thread um, in response to the leak of the document earlier this week that it's not easy for the tour to find replacement capital. You can't go to traditional private equity firms here in the United States and ask them to cough up this kind of money because they want to know what's the return and when is it returning? You know, when, when, how much am yeah. I getting and how much, when am I going to get it? Yes. And because most of them have the PIF as a limited partner investing in their fund and they don't want to fund something that competes with their limited partner investor. But is there other replacement capital potentially out there from similarly minded, similarly situated nations out there who want to deploy some money? One of the things that, that will be an interesting sort of uh, business case by smart business people will, will be how valuable sports assets have become. It's an asset class that is sort of unique in this uh, era of economic and financial uncertainty. Folks who have money to put to work have had reasonable success, I think, investing in worldwide sports properties that seem to be producing reasonable returns. Right, Nate? Yeah, I, I think your point is well taken. The problem is, I don't know who's the individual who's out having those conversations right now. Is it Jimmy Dunn? Is it Patrick Cantley? Like, who is representing the tour and ensuring that if this agreement does not come to fruition, that the tour has access to the capital to compete fair and square. I, I, I don't know who's in charge. I, I will say, guys, I, I agree with that. I, I know I, this is going to sound, um, you know, this is going to knock your socks off, but I don't know that much about global economics. I've said on the radio <laughs> every day for the last year and a half. I'm like, here's what I, I'm qualified to watch another guy hit a golf ball around a golf course, and then afterwards go, so uh, you hit it good, right? And then I talk about it. I mean, th like, I have a very limited skill set in anything worldly, especially everything that's going on with this stuff right now. That said, what I will tell you is, first of all, your point, House, that, you know, the Qatari government or any other, uh, you know, rich government comes in and says, hey, we want a piece of this is certainly a possibility. I hadn't even thought about that possibility besides the Saudi Arabian government coming in. But yes, that's certainly something that could happen. The other part of this that I will say is that for everyone in sense that Saudi Arabian's government is starting to get their hands on the American professional sports world, I can tell you that this is the tip of the iceberg. This isn't the end of the road. That There's already stories about them getting into tennis. Just wait until the Kansas City Chiefs are up for sale in three years, and the LA Lakers are up for sale, and the New York Knicks are up for sale. At some point, when they're up for sale and they're going for $900 million and Saudi Arabia comes in and says, ah, we'll offer you twice that. 
And all those leagues go, eh, we don't really want Saudi Arabia. We don't want the PIF money. And then they offer twice. And you're like, yeah, welcome, guys. We'll, we'll take it. it. Sounds great. And all of a sudden, I, like, it's going to have, you're going to have PIF across the jersey of an NFL team as they're playing football games, going over to Riyadh, playing a couple of home games. It's going to happen. I, I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating about the end part of that, but their money is not stopping at golf and F1 and tennis. Their money is yeah, going to be and, and in, soccer. in all American sports. No, I, and soccer. I mean, you look at Manchester yes. City, who just won all three titles in the Premier League, and it's hard to make an argument that the, you know, if you're a fan base, that ownership uh, blew up the franchise. The fan base wants to see great performance, and they got it. So it, I, I don't know. I, I think as... It, the thing for me that I come back to on this is how telling Rory's press conference was w- when he you know got to Canada and he basically said, "I'm resigned to the fact that this is how the world works." And it, it, Rory was maybe that was Custer's last stand as far as I'm concerned. Like Rory folding on that means I think that the world has folded on that, and so now you're going to have to figure out how to play within those constraints and. I just don't know who's holding the chess pieces at the PGA Tour right now in the event that the Saudis don't say, you know what, we got everything we wanted. I think we're going to win and own the thing completely. Why do we need to have a small percentage of something bigger when if we play this out over the next two years and execute, we can own 100% of all of it? By the way, Rory just played, Rory just played four straight weeks, had a couple of heartbreakers, four top 10 finishes, can't get over the hump, can't win again. Finally gets a week off. What are you doing on Tuesday? I'm going to sit in a five-hour policy board meeting. Oh, God. In, in Detroit. Yeah. He was, he was there in person. What a blast. Sounds like fun. Some great, there's some great food in Detroit. Hopefully, he found some, some of that Detroit pizza. Hey, hey, my Eagle enthusiasts. Step up to the tee and take a swing at betting the PGA Tour on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. We are in Detroit this week at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and we're looking at some big names. Big names are playing in this thing. It's the biggest and best field they've ever had in Detroit. Tony Finau, Justin Thomas, Sung J.M., Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah, let's do some finishing position action with those guys. There are some parlays to be had. You can use your no sweat bet on those guys to win outright, finish in the top 20, win the head-to-head matchup, whatever you like. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is crazy easy to use. Even I can figure it out. There's a wide range of betting options and props, including your finishing positions, your top 10s, your top 20s, your top 30s, hole-in-one props, matchups, and more when you win. Love this about FanDuel, you get paid instantly. So aim for some green this spring and bet on the PGA Tour. Go to FanDuel.com slash rollin' and sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash R-O-L-L-I-N to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Quick disclaimer, you must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. 
first online real money wager only a $10 deposit is required. The refund is issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Let's talk a little bit about some actual golf. And uh, we will get to the PGA Tour in a moment, but I wanted to make sure on today's program, we allotted some time to talk about the remarkable moment Um that that is present with the LPGA. We just had the opportunity to watch a 20-year-old go out and win her first major at a venerated, venerable. Uh, I'm sure I'm using one of those words wrong. I'll let the, the Twitter sphere tell me. Venereal? <laughs> no, 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 Nate. Uh, a renovated Baltusrol that 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 absolutely showed out spectacularly on television. A venue that I dare say would have been magnificent for spectators, but for the bad weather, which seems like it it had a dampening effect, no pun intended, on folks actually coming out. But holy cow, did Balti look awesome. And the women played beautifully. Um, the 20-year-old that came out of nowhere was not Rosang in her first professional major, but instead rounding in who shot in the 60s in all four rounds and had that swag all the way up till uh, the the 18th hole and shot a final day 67 and looks like there could be this cool rivalry. Uh, she's the second player from China to achieve. Xiaoxi Feng and uh, Miss Yin are the two with majors on the LPGA. Um, but to the LPGA's credit, and the reason that I wanted to make sure we, we touch base on this, they've taken a week off. No golf <laughs> this week. Mm-hmm. And next week, they're off to Pebble to compete the women's U.S. Open. It, it feels kind of refreshing to just have a break and let everybody kind of, of savor um, you know, the, the, the fun experience about T and what's coming up at the U.S. Open. PGA Tour doesn't subscribe to this kind of a approach, Soaps. Yeah, okay. First of all, a couple things here. Uh, 
I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to this approach. I don't even know if the LPGA subscribes to the approach. You know as well as I do that if a sponsor had stepped up this week and said, hey, here's a few million bucks. You want to play here for this event and we get to be the title sponsor, they'd say, sure, we'll have an event in between majors. So let's not give them too much credit for letting the schedule breathe that much. The second part of this is, like, I'm not so sure that I want a week off after a major championship. Rounding Yin wins, I, I know that it hasn't necessarily resonated, even though it's a 20-year-old budding superstar wins. If Rose Zhang wins that tournament and it's on SportsCenter and everyone's talking about her, the last thing I want the next week is, okay, now we're not playing golf. I want to step on the gas pedal. I want her playing wherever we're playing the very next week and gain some momentum going into the next major championship because I think Pebble's going to be great. All of that said, rivalries are great. New talent's great. The LPGA thrives when they have a singular superstar who's winning golf tournaments. From Annika to Lorena to Yanni to Inby, um, I'm probably missing Lydia, a word. Too. Lydia Ko. Lydia Ko, yeah. of course. Uh, Nelly, when you have a single-name superstar who's dominating LPGA events, that world is a better place than, hey, we've got parity and we've got a lot of young players who are all really good. It does. It just doesn't work as well on a on a worldwide basis for gaining any sort of mainstream exposure. I I think that you have to feel really good about the status of the women's game at this point. the The peripheral golf media is picking it up in ways that they haven't before. There was a lot of pressure for why this thing with Rose Zhang making a run was on Peacock instead of on a more accessible network. That's like just, the golf channel, perhaps. Right. It, the it's just, golf channel. <laughs> it's just something, it, it, there's just a wave here, I think, of appreciation for the sport that hasn't existed before. And, you know, if you're the LPGA, you probably go, ah, the wrong 20-year-old up-and-coming star won that tournament. But it sure doesn't look like it's going to take very long for Rose to win and and you know every good movie needs a needs a battle of superheroes so if we've got a couple of young stars in the game i think it's going to feed uh you know feed what is feels like some tailwind momentum in the golf media right now wait until piff buys the lpga infuses it with some actual money out there and uh i think i, I don't know things get better things get worse i don't know where they go but it's going to be a big story hmm. well if there's no reason that they can't have a, a, a major TV deal so that interested viewers might be able to watch it on TV um, in a manner that is ex- accessible. Uh, and if that's the ultimate result, and I know the three of us sitting around a table at a steakhouse wa- have wondered aloud why it is that the PIF with its uh, goal of, of you know m- making an entry into the American sports market didn't you know start with the lpga but you know that will be a discussion uh probably better saved for more stake and more rounds of of what we were enjoying at the table um i do want to say thank you to the ombudsman for calling me out on the nonsense of a break in the schedule being a desirable <laughs> thing um before we get to sort of forecasting how detroit's going to play out uh i do want want you know, it's it's way too early days, um, but if this deal gets done, it feels to me, Sobs, like 
the schedule, the nascent, the, you know, the sort of kernel of how they intend to compete professional golf in 2024, they have to revisit that. It has to be part of over the next six months, who's eligible, will there be cuts or not? You know, how are they going to fashion competitive golf in a manner that meets what their television partners, most importantly, require of them, but also a presentation that is interesting and, and, and attractive to us, the consuming sporting public. Do you think that they, that they have to recrack the schedule, don't they? Yeah, I can't believe all of that wasn't included in that five-page document. Um, there are a lot of words in there. I, look, there, there is so much. I mean, I, my guess is, uh, whether it's Jay Monahan or Jimmy Dunn or Ed Hurley or Rory or Patrick Cantlay, like, if any of them was on the podcast after drinking some truth serum right now and talking to us, they'd go, I don't know what's going on. Like, they just, there isn't, I, the plan is to have a plan. And, and that's the only plan there is so far. And so I get it. Like, look, I, I threw a theory out on Twitter yesterday. I had people yelling at me like, that's a stupid thing. Okay, well, that's why it was just a theory. It wasn't like I'm slamming my fist on the table saying it's going to happen. But there are no answers right now. And, you know, I, I, we live in a world where I, I watch a lot of these, like, true crime shows, you know, whether it's Dateline or Netflix has a bunch of shows. You start the show and you know, okay, a crime has been com committed. Someone was murdered. You get the evidence. You get the potential perpetrators, the suspects, you go through all the clues, and in two hours, you wrap it up in a nice little bow, and you go, ah, I knew he did it. They interviewed everybody else except that one guy. That's because he's in jail, and he did it. And everyone wants it wrapped up in two hours and go, okay, give me an answer now. Give me all the answers. This is real life. And so we're not getting those answers right away. I think everyone's like, all right, what's like, I, I had the question yesterday on our show. Well, what about like Chase Kepka? Because he didn't have status on the PGA Tour, but he's live. And if they combine, I go, that's like number 912 on the docket. Like that's so far yeah, down. So they, they haven't who, even like who cares that. about Chase Kepka? Who cares? <laughs> Come on. The answer like, to that is who cares? I, I just, he got paid. He got the bag. I don't know. Put right, him on, right. put him on the, the, the Canadian Tour. I, I don't know. Do something. But I'm just Go, saying that do whatever it's just an example of like, Everyone wants all the answers right away. And it's like, we don't even have the first row of answers, let alone all the way down to the bottom yet. Well, Sobs, we know that uh, you have many, many, many media commitments because you are a golf media superstar. So we wanted to make sure we want answers from you, my friend. The Rocket Mortgage Classic is upon us in, in, in a smoky Detroit. The wildfires in Canada continue to produce uh, air level, air, air quality levels that are um, concerning. But it seems like as, as we're recording this Wednesday morning, they intend to go forward with the golf tournament on Thursday. It is a Donald Ross uh, venue that has acquired a um, reputation of being a driver wedge putter uh, mm -hmm. kind of venue for these PGA Tour professionals. I know you and some of your colleagues from the Action Network have gotten into the nitty gritty about, you know, the, the, the guys that are playing, it's a very good field. It's, it's for this particular event, the best field I think it will have ever, um, you know, put together. Uh, we're seeing big names like, uh, JT and, uh, Hideki and we're seeing defending champion, 
uh, Tony Finau. We're seeing young Phenom Tom Kim. Some great names. We're seeing mm-hmm. all the guys who are not sure about the schedule we just talked about next year and what it means to be 50th versus 71st in the FedEx Cup might really matter, which is why Justin Thomas, currently sitting at 66th, is in this thing instead of sitting at home podcasting like some of his peers. <laughs> That's a great point. Great point by the Nate dog. So help us think about how to pick some winners here. Yeah, so the last three winners here, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Cam Davis, and Tony Finau, there is some very simple connective tissue, and that's they are all great drivers of the golf ball. When they're on their games, they mash it off the tee, and they're not uh, nearly as crooked as some other guys that hit it a long way. And so you want to go after guys who are really good drivers of the golf ball. I, I remember the, it was the first or second year, I believe the second year that this one uh, was in existence. Before it started, I talked to a player who said, this is the most Bryson course ever. And so if you think back to mm-hmm. Bryson at that point three years ago, where it's like, well, the most Bryson course, that means you can just bomb and gouge it. Just hit it as far as you can. Go find it. Hit a wedge into the green. You probably only need to bring about four or five clubs with you to this golf course if you're that type of player. And you can go out and make a ton of birdies. Tony Finau said the other day he thinks it could be 30 under this week. Some of those names that you mentioned, yeah, it's hard not to like a Ricky Fowler. I think he's going to win at some point, certainly trending in the right direction. I'm a little worried that this feels like a week where he would certainly take off if he wasn't doing rocket mortgage commercials every three minutes during all those commercial breaks. So I I just don't know where his fatigue level is at coming into this one. Yeah, and he shot shot a 62 at the U.S. Open. He shot a 60 that really legitimately could have been a 59. Like oh, that yeah. last shot, we were up on the tower watching him do that. He could have done it. it he, he, he maybe fatigues a little bit, Sobel, but it, it, maybe it's more the commercials than the play that fatigues him, huh? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like JT. Uh, JT hit rock bottom at the U.S. Open a few weeks ago, came back to finish top 10 last week, and now I like catching guys on the upswing as opposed to the downswing. I'm a little worried that Ricky's kind of on that downswing. Not that he's not going to play well, but, you know, we're kind of, if everything's a roller coaster a little bit, I want JT on that upswing. But I'm going a little bit deeper for my outrights this week. I'm starting the card okay. with the young superstar. I, and I'm calling him a superstar already. He's going to get there. I get it. We've said Cam Young is going to win golf tournaments, and he hasn't yet. He's come really close. We've said Sahith Thigal is going to be a superstar. I'm still holding to that. But Ludwig Aberg is going to be a superstar. The kid's got everything. And not only that, he's got exactly what we're looking for on this golf course. He mashes the ball. He makes a lot of birdies. He's unafraid of anything. Uh, During this time of the year when a lot of guys, as Nate just said, are worried about their status, worried about getting into the playoffs, are playing with a little weight on their shoulder, Ludwig's just out there like, I don't know, man, I'm just going to play golf because I'm all set for the next year and a half. And so I don't have to worry too much about it. Reminds me a little of 2019 when uh, Morikawa and Matthew Wolf were among those who turned pro that summer. Each of them won within the first couple of months of being a professional. And, mm. and I think part of the reason is everyone else is tired. Everyone else is worried about their jobs. Everyone else is. And these guys just play with house money. And, and these guys are just going out for a free roll trying to win. So I love Aberg this week. I've also got. Uh, Austin Eckrote on the card, who's got five straight top 30s. and So eight straight t- tell Nate who Austin Eckrote is. Yeah, I'm I interrupting know. you. Austin, Austin. Hey, 
Eckroad is. Nate was gave, threw some shade at Austin Eckroad on on a real really? podcast. Tell <laughs> really? tell Nate who Austin Eckroad is. Not Austin Eckroad is a budding, very very solid. I won't call him a star yet, but a very solid PGA Tour player. Why do we not like Eckroad? We uh, House is making shit up now. <laughs> I, I'm not. You you hadn't heard of him. You were like, oh, what is this name? Now I know you'd heard of him, but you were. You were going down the board and like, what? Look at this thing. And it was, a, he had a fine U.S. Open performance. He did have a very good one. And I, I, I don't hate the pick. Uh, I, I, I think, do you think, Sobs, just sort of quickly stepping for me, do you think that Aberg is the most impressive of all the rookies? Or do you think that Sam Bennett, his, the, his performance in the two majors tips him a little bit? I am not as impressed with Sam Bennett as others are. I, I get it. Sam yeah. Bennett played great at the Masters. He yeah. played really well at the U.S. Open for a few days. Yeah, I Take nothing away from him. If we're going yeah. long-term, he's it's like Aberg. probably not even in my top five, honestly. Okay, great. I, I mean, it's Aberg, and then there's a drop-off, and then I know he's not a rookie yet. He's still in school. Gordon Sargent, who sure. absolutely mashes it, is right up there for me. And then, I mean, we can talk about, you know, depending on still kids in college, kids on the corn ferry, you know, the two kids who have won on the corn ferry, uh, two of the last three weeks are going to be really good players. I, I don't know that I've got Bennett up that high, that, yeah. that swing, that Joaquin Neiman like swing at impact where, uh, he's gotta be, he's gotta stay real flexible throughout his career. I, I just don't know if he's going to be the guy that on a weekly basis is up there. Um, that's House it. insight I, from Sobes. I love it. I, here, here's some other insight, guys. Uh, I told you before we started rolling here that uh, during the U.S. Open, I, it's a fun job. I'm working for the U.S. Open radio coverage, and I'm interviewing guys after the round. They, I don't even have to do anything. They bring them right to me, and I stand there and ask a couple of questions, and they walk away. What I do get is a sense of during the tournament, like who's confident, who believes in themselves. And the other part about this is I get a sense of like guys that I don't know I get to know them a little bit. Austin Eckro is one of those guys I talked to a couple times. I'm like, he's kind of got it a little bit. You know, I'm not saying like, you know, to an extent that he's going to be a John Rahm or something like that. But you look at him and you talk to him, you shake his hand. And you're like, this guy's going to be really good. You can just tell. He's got the dog in him. He got that dog in him. Um, I was surprised in your lead in to, to Mr. Aberg. I thought Gordon Sargent was going to be the punchline because he is playing this week and he does hit the golf ball. 10 miles down the down the fairway and he has all the strength in the world to deal with whatever they're, they're saying it's four inch rough but i don't think it's really going to be you know impossible for the guys to get it out of um and i just the only reason i'm going back to sergeant is because he shot a 69 in the final round of the u.s open that was a 68 but for um the faulty cup uh on the 18th hole that i wondered if the golf gods were going to replay for Wyndham Clark and give us a Wyndham Clark Rory uh, matchup for anybody that didn't see it. The golf ball went into the hole and hit something and bounced back out of the hole. He shot a 68. The ball was down in in, in the hole. So give us the insider scoop. Did they go out there and fix that? after yeah, Sergeant? I think so. They yeah. did. Didn't I, I they? think they, they did. Had yeah. They had yeah. to have. You, yeah, you, I missed it when it happened. I was interviewing somebody else, but I, I think they went out there and fixed that. I He, he walked off, by the way. I talked to his I, I guess you could have an agent or a manager. He's still in college, but uh, I talked to him and uh, he said, as soon as Gordon walked off the final green, he goes to him, he goes, did I just lose low amateur because of that? He's like, no, 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 you're up like 10. Don't worry about it. 
Yeah, but that that would have been uh, something. Anyway, uh, my pick for this week is Hideki Matsuyama. He's been on a heater of hit with, with with his ball striking. Um, he fares well enough in the birdie or better category. If this is going to be a birdie fest, I want birdie or better guys that score well. You're going to be shocked to hear that if you look at you know recent uh, over the last you know handful of of, of years. Tony Finau and JT and Song JM and Tom Kim are all good at birdie or better, you know, golf courses that give up lots of birdies. But Hideki is in the top 12 of that. So he's he's my ride or die this week. Nate Dog, who you got your eyes on? You know, I would love to tell you that I don't have a super chalky pick this week, but uh, I am I think Tony Finau is due. I, I, I He's he's hovering near the back of that Comcast business top 10. So he's got reason to be in this tournament and, and get put a few more points on the board for that money. I think Max would be the other pick that I would have made. I, he's got a lot of MGM sponsor uh, responsibilities this week. I think that's probably why he's in the tournament to be, to be honest. Uh, so Tony is, is mine. Okay. Well, that makes it easy. Sobs, I know that you are off to your next media engagement. We appreciate having the ombudsman on at this moment. You're welcome anytime. You don't have to yell at us to come back on. Yeah, we'll have yeah, plenty seriously. to talk about over the next six months. Thanks for coming on, buddy. I'm not going to invite myself, but I appreciate you guys having me. We'll do a steak well, dinner again of soon. Invite themselves. We we demand an invite on the serious uh, 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 PGA Tour yes. at some point. Yes. Uh, vacation next week after that. You guys are in. Can I get you both at the same time? Go. Yeah, probably not. Okay. <laughs> you can have Nate. We'll Thanks, boys. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Let's see ya. All right. There we go. My Eagle enthusiasts, my par saving pals. Our thanks to our homeboy, Jason Sobel. Check out his stuff on the Action Network. You can hear him daily on Sirius XM, the PGA Tour channel of course thanks to the nate dog our incomparable accomplice we are back next week my par saving pals uh the john deere will be in front of us who knows what business news may befall us we will be also looking towards the women's u.s open at pebble beach we have prime time pebble beach in july to look forward to next week this week detroit let's all go try and cash some tickets. Uh, Jason shared a few names for us. We might have parlay or two ready for all you birdie buddies out there. Please, it's summertime. Throw a peg in the ground, and if you're able to do so, let's hit them straight out there. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. If you have a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. If you are in Arizona, you call 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 533 421. 
888-789-7777 in Connecticut. That's the number. Or you can visit ccpg.org slash chat. Once again, that's in Connecticut. In Indiana, you call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, 1-800-522-4700. Or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. In Louisiana, it's 1-877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or in New York. You call 1-877-8. Hope NY or text Hope NY in New York.